Welcome to Ask the Expert. It's a brief, informative, engaging, and lively discussion uh, about cutting-edge science and advancements in type 1 uh, diabetes research and related uh, interdisciplinary research. So we'll have a few slides, and then we will um, have a discussion about the scientists' work. And um, today, we're very uh, lucky to have with us Dr. Alma Martinez-Sebica. She's an MD-PhD from Stanford. Title of her talk today is Antigen-Specific Type 1 Regulatory T-Cells, Mechanisms of Function and Therapeutic Use. So Dr. Sepika is coming from uh, Stanford to speak with us today. She's an immunologist and she has an extensive background in translational research, autoimmunity, autoinflammation, and human systems immunology, all things sort of near and dear to the T1D research world. Um, her goal is to understanding uh, the mechanisms governing immunological tolerance and leverage this knowledge towards new cures. So Dr. Sepika received her MD and her PhD in immunology from the University of Zagreb School, in Cro uh, School of Medicine in Croatia. And while there, she was focusing on the immunomonitoring of patients with lupus, um, identifying how circulating DNA levels changed with therapy. So for her postdoc training, she joined the lab of Dr. Virginia Pascal at Baylor uh, Institute for Immunology Research in uh, Dallas, Texas, where she studied the drivers of autoimmune inflammation in systemic juvenile idiopathic, uh, idiopathic arthritis. And she developed a multidimensional in vitro stimulation assay to evaluate immune responses of blood leukocytes in pediatric patients with this disease. So in combination uh, with integrated bioinformatics analysis, this approach identified aberrant cellular responses, transcriptional pathways, and genes that shed new light on immune, uh, immune dysregulation in system, systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Sounds like a very interesting response and one that could possibly and potentially be applied to a, you know, an, uh, an autoimmune disease like type 1 diabetes. And right now, Dr. Sepka is an instructor instructor of the Pediatric Division of uh, Stem Cell Biology and Regenerative Medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. And there she's working to uncover the molecular mechanisms governing type one regulatory T cells, TR1 differentiation and function, and to use this to, uh, knowledge to design TR1 cell-based therapies for hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, cancer immunotherapy, and autoimmunity. And she's funded by the National Blood Foundation, Stanford Spark, and Stanford Translational Research and Applied Medicine Programs. Thank you so much for joining us. You have a wealth of experience. And um, I was really, you know, we reached out to you, uh, you know, because we saw that you had this great science translational medicine paper, alloantigen-specific type 1 regulatory T cells suppressed through CTLA-4 and PD-1 pathways and persist long-term in patients. And we're hoping you can share some of that work with us today. And, you know, again, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you very much for inviting me. And thank you um, to everyone who managed to join. Let me start sharing my slides. Okay, so let's dive right in it. So T-cells develop from hematopoietic stem cells in the bone marrow. Uh, but they do not finish the differentiation there. They uh, actually, from the bone marrow, they travel to the thymus, where they rearrange their incredibly diverse T-cell receptor genes to form an antigen receptor, which we call T-cell receptor or the TCR. 
Uh, from the thymus, T cells emerge as two main subtypes, which are the, um, the T cells emerge from the thymus as either CD8 T cells or cytotoxic uh, T cells or CD4 T cells, also known as, and as helper T cells. And these helper T cells actually have two uh, subpopulations. First is the mature um, naive CD4 T cells. And the second are the CD4 T cells that express transcription factor FOXP3, which are better known as thymic or natural FOXP3 regulatory T cells or T-Rex. The mature naive CD4 T cells, however, do not finish their differentiation um, in the thymus. They um, actually undergo further development in the periphery uh, when, once they're exposed to antigens. If they're exposed to antigens in an inflammatory environment, they differentiate into um, a, a different subsets of effector CD4 T cells. But if they um, encounter a persistent antigen in a tolerogenic environment, they become type 1 regulatory T cells or TR1 cells. Both CD8 and CD4 effector T cells are instrumental uh, for body's defense against pathogens and tumors, and regulatory T cells basically act as a break um, of, on the infector T cell responses, and as such, uh, they're instrumental for the defense against autoimmunity, allergy, and they also are important for reducing transplant tolerance. Tier 1 cells are less well-studied subtype of regulatory T cells, but we do know quite a bit about them. We can identify them by their core expression of surface CD49B and like 3 We know that they produce very high levels of immunosuppressive cytokine um, uh, IL-10 and express low or no levels of XP3. Um, in terms of their uh, in vitro and in vivo function, they are maybe best known by uh, their ability to induce tolerance after allogenic transplantation, whether that's um, an organ transplantation such as um, uh, islet uh, or pancreatic transplants, or um, in the context of hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. And um, allogenic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, uh, or allogeneic is actually our current focus in the Roncarol lab at Stanford, uh, because the allogeneic is a very important and life-saving treatment for many, many patients with um, high-risk leukemias, and also some patients with non-malignant um, autoimmune disorders. But because of the HLA mismatch between the donor uh, and the host, the donor's um, T cells can sometimes attack healthy patient tissues and cause graft-versus-host disease, or GVHD, which is potentially a lethal inflammatory condition. And the risk of GVHD actually deters many hematologists um, from using this potentially life-saving therapy. So we really need to find a way to improve the outcomes of allergicity without relying on um, general immunosuppressive drugs, which are actually harmful by themselves. And to do this, we designed a therapy that we call t tensels, which we make from um, allo-HCT donor uh, CD4 T-cells, which are co-cultured for 10 days with patients' tolerogenic dendritic cells. So during this co-culture, these patients' dendritic cells instruct an autoreactive portion 
of the donor T cells to clonally expand and, and differentiate into tier one cells. These tier one cells are have a constricted TCR repertoire and they are alloantigen specific, which means um, functionally that they suppress alloreactive effector T cells, which can cause graft versus host disease in vivo, but they do not suppress T cells that have other TCR receptor specificities, such as the T cells that uh, protect us, the patient against pathogens or tumors. And as such, the uh, tier one cells as a cell therapy can have a unique advantage uh, over non-specific immunosuppressive drugs, such as corticosteroid or cytotoxic drugs that are used to, uh, to suppress these allogenic immune responses post-transplant. DL10 cells are already in the clinic. They are being tested for safety into ongoing phase one, 1B clinical trials in patients with leukemias that uh, are treated with uh, allo-HACT or with haploidentical transplant. And we actually just recently published the immunomonitoring result from the first trial here in this uh, manuscript, where we followed up the patient, patients receiving TLO10 cells and allo-HACT um, in 19 different time points um, post-treatment. And we also performed um, a detailed in vitro characterization um, of uh, TLO10 cell product uh, by flow cytometry, uh, RNA-seq, TCR-seq, and we also um, in, uh, characterize them, their functional properties. Just to briefly summarize this paper, because it's, it's published, so we showed that the TLO10 cells contain um, around 10% of TR1 cells, and these TR1 cells have a unique um, transcriptional signature. And uh, through this transcriptional signature, we uh, identified high levels of expression of CTLR4 and PD1 and PDL1, which are molecules that we knew um, they are involved in suppression of FOXP3 regulatory T cells, but they have not been described so far in TR1 cells. So using suppression assays, we demonstrated that TR1 cells indeed suppress through CTLR4 and PD1, PDL1 pathway. Uh, in addition to suppression um, through the IL-10 pathway, which was known from before. So the, the T-cell receptor also serves as a natural barcode of each T-cell because the T-cells that share the same um, T-cell receptor are thought, are thought to have the same clonal origin. And we can use this information to track these cells uh, after infusion uh, in the patients. What you can see here is that the uh, because of the tier one cells uh, from the TLO tensile product are clonally expanded and all antigen specific. They have this very, very high enrichment of the top um, uh, 100 most frequent TCR clonotypes, which are virtually not present in the uh, total CD4 T cells from the donor or uh, uh, present at very, very low level in the non-TL1 cell component of the TLO10 cells. And we use these top 100 clonotypes to um, figure out whether there are uh, TL1 cells in the patient whole blood in all the 19 time points post-TL10 cell infusion and post-transplant. And also we uh, investigated whether these uh, TL10, TL1 clonotypes can be found in ex vivo isolated circulating patient TL1 cells. And indeed, that's what we found. We found that the TCR clonotypes from infused TLO10 TR1 uh, product are found in patient uh, peripheral blood and also in isolated circulating TL1 cell from the patient, here shown at day 300 post-transplant. 
So this long-term survival of a tier one cells post-infusion is very important finding that will be crucial for determining their um, clinical efficacy once we progress to hopefully phase two and phase three um, uh, clinical trials. And since we know from, from the a lot of CAR T-cell work that if the infused T-cells are not found in the peripheral blood, we can, they are not there is clinical efficacy is, is lost. Um, and we also hope that this uh, manuscript that, that really show how we can make and characterize tier one cells will, will um, encourage other investigators to explore tier one cells as a, a therapeutic strategy for other clinical indications, such as organ transplant or allergy or autoimmunity, since tier one cells um, uh, can be relatively easily uh, induced uh, in an in vitro. So with that, I would uh, like to uh, briefly introduce you to the uh, wonderful team of scientists I have a privilege to work with. So this is Maria Grazia Roncarolo, who discovered uh, TR1 cells more than 30 years ago, and she is a sponsor of these two clinical trials. These are the lead clinical uh, teams, and these are the um, uh, the research folks with me who are with me in the lab. This is a last pre-pandemic um, photo on a, on a conference. So with that, I will stop and I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you so much. That was really nice. Um, I, I did have a question. So, so this seems, um, you know, it might be, you know, a, a great way to interface with uh, islet transplantation. Can you talk a little bit about how that might work hypothetically? So yes, so in in um, in theory, uh, we can in organ transplantation we can envision to uh, take the CD4 T cells from the patient, and then generate these tolerogenic dendritic cells from the donor monocytes, and do the opposite. So instead of uh, let me reshare, maybe it's going to be easier to explain. Um, so instead of taking the donor T cells and making the donor T cells tolerant to the patient, we will take the patient T cells and making them tolerant to the donor um, uh, to the donor antigens. Um, and because the dendritic cells, what they basically, the allo antigen is nothing but um, a normal proteins that are expressed by dendritic cells that are presented in the context of uh, an uh, allogenic um, uh, class two or class one receptors. So uh, this concept has been shown um, that, that it already works, not for diabetes, um, um, but it has been shown to work for organ, organ transplant. So the, the same um, cells, which were not called TLO10, the, the investigators named them a little bit differently, uh, but basically uh, the process works. So we can take um, the, the dendritic cells from the, uh, from the donor and make uh, tier one cells from the patient, and then we'll, uh, uh, they will be tolerant to, to, to the uh, donor antigens. And, you know, you showed that this process uh, works, you know, up to 300 days, right? So that's almost a year. So that's pretty, pretty helpful. If you, if you want to talk about, you know, keeping an eyelid in place and not, not rejecting it. 
That's, that's correct. So we know that uh, there has been several studies, and this was done by, by Maria Graziano-Corolla while she was still in Italy. So um, there were several studies that showed that the uh, tier one cells can induce long-term tolerance to islet transplant in in vivo murine models. And uh, what we know from, from the earlier pilot clinical trial of tier one like cells, so this was not the TLO10 product, so it was a, a, a IL-10 energized cells that were uh, administered to patients, uh, adult patients undergoing haploidentical transplantation. And I think this is the published here in this paper. So this paper, in this paper also shows a long-term immune monitoring of um, these five patients that, that engrafted um, and achieved long-term tolerance. And I think the, the data in the paper is five years uh, post-transplant. Now, they didn't do TCR sequencing. They just did phenotyping of, of TR1 cells by 49B and like 3 co-expression in the memory T-cell compartment. But they showed that Actually, the, the percentage of tier one cells in the peripheral blood increases the longer uh, the longer it is post transplant. So the highest level was five years post transplant. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, you know, even if we don't know if these are the same tier one cells that were infused, it seems that they, they indeed they can be found um, long term in vivo. And so, how I guess uh, do do you know of any labs that are currently interested in that particular? approach or, you know, kind of like, you know, I know you guys are more into, you know, you're the graph versus host and, but is there any, any lab specifically that's doing that type of work that, you know, that we've just discussed in, um, you know, exploring islet transplantation in humans and using this system? Uh, I don't think so. I, at least not to my knowledge. I, I'm, I think that uh, Maria Grazia and Coral always, she always wants to kind of continue with the research into diabetes. I know that she's an active member of JDRF. So, so it's still somewhere in the back of my mind, back of her mind that she wants to restart this and maybe, maybe she, she actually continues with it um, now. But the postdoc who published this work in diabetes, her former postdoc now has a, a lab in Europe. And I, I don't know if he's, he's continuing with diabetes research. It, it's a good question, but, but it, would, uh, it would be, it certainly has a, a basis, a good basis uh, to, to continue with generating tier one cells to uh, induce tolerance to islet transplants. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised actually, because, you know, there's such a push with Vertex and Viasite all trying to get good results from islet transplants. What, what would be the risk, I guess, of, you know, using this, layering this kind of therapy on top of an islet transplant in a human and, you know, ending up with like teratomas? I mean, would it, would that, is that, is that something that might arise because? Yeah, I, I, in my mind, no. So we have from this, from the first clinical trial, the, we, we have four patients completed uh, by now. The first three patients were described in the paper and the, the clinical outcomes are so far very promising. So these are patients with very high risk leukemias. Some of them failed, you know, the first transplant, some of them failed CAR T cell therapy and they're all alive and, and doing well. Mm -hmm. Because, because tier one cells are generated to be antigen specific, it, 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 they should not, in theory, and what we also confirmed in vitro, 
uh, they should not impair any responses, T cell responses that are protective. So they shouldn't impair protective immunity against pathogens. They shouldn't pro impair protective immunity against tumors. Now, in the context of the only thing that uh, it it could possibly modify it for organ transplant is to get rid of, of the, these polyclonal um, effector T cells from the TL10 product. So um, in, in the TL10 cells, you see the tier one cells are relatively minor fractions. So most of it is uh, polyclonal CD4 T cells. And for transplant, this is actually okay because these patients receive much higher dose of, of um, CD, polyclonal CD4 T cells with the, with the graft. And these polyclonal CD4 T cells are actually important for mediating anti-leukemic anti effect. But this is maybe something that uh, uh, should be modified for organ transplantation because infusing uh, a lot of Polyclonal affected T cells could could cause um, um, actually could theoretically cause damage uh, to the organ, but I I don't see why why it wouldn't work. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm I'm gonna ask uh, if there's any questions from the audience. Please uh, drop them in the chat, or you're feel free to unmute yourself. We'd love to hear from anyone out there. Um, this uh, talk will be recorded so that uh, others can listen to it in future and comment. Um, on our YouTube channel as well. And that's always interesting to see what people have to say it, um, you know, when they're when the when the talks are posted. I wonder, um, just before we sort of run out of time, what do you think is the biggest sort of hurdle to getting these, um, you know, this process, this technology aligned with um, eyelid implantation laboratories? What, what do you think is the biggest hurdle there? Just getting um, someone on the project. I mean, are they? I think uh, the lab looking for postdocs. Our lab is uh, Roncarola lab is definitely looking for postdocs. Um, so yes, if you um, if you're interested, if anyone in who sees this uh, talk is interested, please go on the Roncarola lab website uh, to Stanford um, at Stanford and apply. Um, you know, maybe the biggest hurdle will be. Um, to, to find people who are experienced with working with human cells, which is it's it's the situation is much improved now than when it was when I was starting my research journey like 15 years ago, uh, when most of the immunology was done in mice. But but still, you know, we don't have a lot of people, and we see that when we have postdoctoral fellow applications that that know how to work with human cells, and it is not the same with with humans and mice. Um, uh, otherwise, um, it, it has been done. We had in the previous institute that I was uh, working, there was an allied transport program and there was a research lab that was connected to it. So it, it should be possible. Uh, the, with, with cell therapies, they are very costly. So um, that is one thing to keep in mind. Uh, but uh, for a disease that is so wide frequent, such as diabetes, the idea of having one-shot costly therapy could be uh, actually cost-efficient uh, if the tolerance is achieved versus, you know, putting the patient on, on a lifetime of, um, uh, of insulin uh, and having, uh, despite of that, having all this... Um, uh, side effects that that happen with um, increased blood sugar and inflammation that that it induces. 
Yeah. I mean, the cost benefit ratio seems pretty clear. If you, if, if this could be really worked out to, you know, to, to kind of go um, work in parallel with eyelid implantation, I think that would, it would be phenomenal. So yeah, if we can get some postdocs experience in working with human cells, you know, we'll provide the information uh, to contact the Ron Corolla lab and, um, hope that, uh, you know, and hope that some people may find this interesting and, 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 um, and reach out to you all. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, it's phenomenal what you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing it. I would encourage people to read this paper. Uh, again, that paper we talked about earlier is the alloantigen specific type one regulatory T cells suppressed through CTLA4 and PD1 pathways and persist, persist long term in patients. And that came out in Science Translational Medicine, October 27th of 2021. So just a few months back. So it's a really great paper and um, I encourage everyone to read it. And um, thank you again so very much for uh, talking with us today. It's great. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you.